What's up, everyone? This is Janelle, and this is another edition of Step Back Sisterhood. I'm, of course, joined by Tara, Amber, and Britt, and today we are talking about the COVID protocols in the NBA. Uh, the NBA has issued a multiple-page document on the protocols for the season, and the gist of it is they can't go anywhere within their market or even on the road. You know, they have designated restaurants to eat at and the fines and the stipulations if there's violations are pretty steep. And of course, training camp is open and there are some cases out there. And that's to be expected because people are coming back in their markets, but I'm not sure about how this is going to go. I mean, of course, there's no bubble. And the bubble, a bubble isn't really feasible for 30 teams. So I'm inquired to know, what are your thoughts about it, um, Tara? Let's start off with you. I, well, I'm really worried. I don't know how they are going to do it. And I like, I'm worried about the players. I'm worried about everybody around them. Just like I'm worried about me and I'm worried about my family and I'm worried about my family friends. It's just, you can't control people who are you know two degrees away from you you don't know when you're gonna like be stuck somewhere and i don't know i just i don't know how they're gonna do it and i appreciate the thoroughness of their preparation for it but i i just don't see how it's gonna work Britt, what are your thoughts this even before the bubble although i was pretty optimistic about it that it really depends on how each of the teams and each of the players decide whether or not they actually want to do this or not. I have read the ESPN article as well as the tweets that have been surfacing the last few days about the rules and um, I guess sort of stipulations as well as the enforcement mechanisms that are in place for it. And I- I'm, I- I'm okay with them. It's just that who knows how, teams and players are actually going to react to it. I mean, we'll talk a little bit later on about, you know, certain players that have sort of flaunted the rules already. And maybe this is just a one-off thing because it's the start of the season, but things like that can cause a, you know, an avalanche of issues if they're not dealt with early. Um, Amber, what, what are your thoughts? I didn't like the idea of the bubble. From the beginning, I'm just going to say that out there. I've been saying that since before the bubble started because I just didn't know how it would go. But the WNBA did a very good job and the NBA did a very good job of that. Now, containing 30 teams with men whose hormones are going to be probably out of control um, wouldn't be the best idea because they couldn't even do it in the bubble. I'm just saying it was... They had their troubles in the bubble. So <laughs> there's no way Adam Silver could have said, okay, we're going to do a bubble again. It, it just wasn't going to happen. But guys are going to still live their outside lives. You know what I mean? They're still going to do, you know, you can't do certain things on the road. How are they going to tell them what they can and can't do? That's my biggest issue. How are you going to tell a grown man, 72 game season for what, five or six months, maybe what starts in, well, preseason starts, what, next week? And then we're going through March, if I'm thinking correctly. 
how do you tell grown men with all that money to stay put? That's difficult. That's difficult in my opinion because they like to go out. They like to have fun. They're young. You know, the rookies are like, oh man, I made it to the NBA. Like, yes, pandemic. What's that? Um, I got all this money. I want to have fun. And I'm thinking from, I'm thinking back at my 20 year old self or my 21 year old self. I probably would feel the same way they do. So I can't ridicule them for that. I probably feel the same way they do. I would probably want to go out, have my fun. I was in college, you know, during either during the pandemic or not during the pandemic. It just depends on, you know, when you came out or whatever. But the pandemic hits you at some point. So you're like, okay, they cut off college basketball or, you know, from overseas, the the guys that came from overseas and they want to have fun. I can't fault them for that. This is going to be very difficult to do, in my opinion. I, I expect a case every week. And that's me being nice. I expect a case every week because you just cannot contain those men for that long. It's just the season's too long. They cut it 10 games. You still got the preseason. That's fine. I like the protocols. I do. Losing the draft picks. I'm not sure everything that's that's going on, but it's like losing draft picks, some fines and forfeiting some games. Oh, wow. So yeah, yeah, forfeiting some games. And you know, I kind of can fault these guys for, you know, for wanting to have fun. I mean, all of that stuff will be there after whenever we get back to normal. But when are we getting back to normal? It just depends on, you know, Vax, I guess vaccinations and, you know, people just really doing what they're supposed to do. And I won't be anytime soon, but, you know, it's, they have an obligation to do their part or try because it's yeah. not only about them. It's about them affecting their team. But here's the thing. If I'm 21 and 22, I'm not thinking about that. Like I'm, I'm being completely honest with you. Like if I'm 19, 20, 21, 22, when you're in college, like I've had college basketball players tell me, we're kind of, we don't have as much freedom as you think we have. We, we don't because we have a curfew. We have to do this. We have to do that. We have to do this. We have to do that. And he was like, I cannot wait to go to the NBA because I can do what I want to do. And I'm not in my parents' household. Just think about it. When you're in your parents' household, you get told what to do. When you're in college, you're getting told what to do, you know, and you have, now you're an instant millionaire. You have all this money. Yes, there's a pandemic, but they're not thinking about that. I'm I'm being honest with you. If I was 21, 22, I would not be thinking about that. I would not. I can't because you're young and you're naive. You, you just you just are. So that's why I think it's going to be very difficult to contain these guys. I just I just do. Now the old heads are gonna be like, all right, you know, I chill at home with the wife and the kids. You know, I'm cool. But the younger guys are thinking. Because regular people don't follow the rules. So what makes you think a millionaire is going to follow the rules, even if he's making millions of dollars? Are they going to kick him off a team because he's not following the rules? No. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking about a 20. I'm thinking about what how I would feel. Now, everybody would feel differently. But, you know, athletes' minds, for some reason, are wired different. They don't think they're regular people sometimes. They just think that they're above certain things especially professional athletes they're above certain rules super naive of me to ask this question but some but i i often i mean there's a reason that these 
guys were able to make it to the NBA because of their hard work and their concentration. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I don't know, the, the Pollyanna in me <laughs> says that <laughs> if they were able to work this hard for so long to get to where they are, couldn't mm-hmm. they, you know, follow the rules so that the dream that is within their grasp, they can actually live it out? Yeah, but you know, you know, they make a lot of mistakes. When you're young you, and with a lot of money, you make a lot of mistakes because you have people around you that are pressuring you all day, every day. Money makes you do some crazy things. Yep. It makes you do some things you <clears throat> never thought you would do. So I want them, I want them to be the best players they can be and be the best young men they can be and to follow all the protocols. I do. I'm just being realistic. <laughs> I'm really, I really am. I'm being very realistic because yes, they'll say, okay, well, I can cool out for, well, four or five months and, you know, play basketball and make this money, but I want to go out and do some things. I want to go out and, you know, have some fun. And the NBA is like, no, you can't do that. And then the, you know, players like, why can you tell me what I can do and what I can't do? I mean, I can go into depth about that because, you know, there have been so many times the young players have committed crimes and gotten away with it. Professional athletes get get away with a lot. More than what they're supposed to get away with. Now, with this COVID situation, I'm not sure how stern Adam Silver is going to be on the situation. But it's tough to tell a 20-year-old millionaire that he can't do anything. <laughs> it's going to be tough. I'm, I want it to work. I do. I'm optimistic. I want it to work. Yes, light the end of the tunnel. Yes. But am I realistic? Yes, I am. I have to be. What about the, uh, the other thing that concerns me is that, um, the shortened, so we've got the shortened season, the shortened schedule, the just brutal pace of the, the games, you know, so many back to back, so many, um, you know, every other night. Um, even though they reduce travel, there's still going to be a lot of travel. I'm worried about, you know, just the ability of these guys to stay healthy, like non COVID wide wise. Um, and then also like if they do test positive and they have to quarantine before they come back, like, are they going to be able to be in shape as, you know, in game shape right away? Like, are they going to get hurt? Is there going to be more like soft tissue injuries? I'm worried about injuries that are like COVID adjacent because of the way that the team is team or the, the season's going to go. That, yeah. is that, that is something that's not really talked about, but, and it's overshadowed by this pandemic. You bring up some great points there. And, you know, with all these back to backs and, the rush, the rush of the schedule, you have to be cognizant of those soft tissue injuries, the ankle, um, knees, and you bring up some great points. But, you know, it's up to them to, to kind of be in shape in the first place. Kind of guard from that. I mean, they know about all of that, but, you know, that's something that you can't really prepare for. And so I that is that, a great point, Tara. Well, and I think that, you know, one advantage is that a lot of the teams anyway 
you know, we're playing not long ago. So there hasn't been, you know, a huge amount of, like, they all knew that the season was, they've all been acting like the season was going to come back at some point. Mm-hmm. And I was, I've been reading recently about years where there were lockouts and the players, they didn't know if they were going to have a season and they weren't, a lot of them weren't keeping up with, you know, they were not ready when the season did resume. And at least it seems like from what I've been able to see a lot of the players, you know, now, like, oh, they know. we've been in this situation long enough that they now know how to work out or they've been allowed back into their facilities or they've figured out a place where they can work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm not too, well, to an extent, I'm not too concerned about the injury issue. I think for the vast majority of it, I, I think it's more of an issue for the t- teams that went further into the playoffs than some teams. So for instance, you know, the quote unquote delete eight, they have been out for a significant period of time at this point. Um, you know, over six months, you know, actually closer to like eight months at this point. So for them, uh, you know, I, I guess maybe from a conditioning standpoint, they may have issues ramping up and getting ready. Um, but for those teams like LA, the, you know, basically the eight teams that got to the second round of the playoffs or later, those are going to be the ones that I would have some major concerns about when it comes to, you know, soft, um, tissue issue or injuries and other things like that. Um, which is probably why, you know, for good or for bad, LeBron and some other folks probably aren't going to be playing for significant periods of time. And they're, you know, the league isn't going to be on teams as much when it comes to, you know, quote unquote rest. I, I think when it comes to the injury concerns, I, I think that sort of comes, um, comes as part of just sports in general, um, unfortunate to say is that it's going to happen. If it's, if there's going to be an increased amount, I'm not sure. And I think one of the things that is sort of good about the, um, what's happening is that yes, th- there are some back to backs to a certain extent, but they've sort of limited, limited or limited it quite significantly. And also they're doing a lot of home and homes as in like they're having teams stay in certain markets for longer periods of time. Um, it, for instance, the Rockets play twice in uh, at, at the Lakers um, at Lakers versus, you know, flying back to Houston and flying back. I, I think things like that, which I hope are sort of long-term things that they do and not just beyond the season will sort of compensate a little bit for the amount of travel and other things um such as you know the lack of rest that could potentially cause you know these um you know these um injuries to occur but we'll have to see ultimately well you know WNBA players finish their seasons and then go play overseas the next day Mm-hmm. So I don't want to hear any NBA com- player complaining. Oh, this is the shortest time that NBA players have had in between. I don't want to hear that. Um, WNBA players play all year round. So they go, they play from training camp starts in May and then they're done what September, October. They have to go overseas just like that. The longest they have to wait to go overseas, I think 
Some of them is 30 days, but it's quick turnaround for them. They play 10, 11 months out of the year. So I don't competitively, I don't, I don't want to hear that. Oh, it was too short of a time and blah, blah, blah. I've been hearing that on Twitter and seeing it on Twitter and it's ticking me off, but that's neither here nor there. Um, injuries. That's a great point though. Yeah. It, it, it just, point. yeah. It, it, I just, oh, you know, if LeBron wants to rest, that's on him. You know, he's 17 years in. I, you know, I don't care if he wants to rest. Um, but your priv, you have, they're making this work for you. They could just cancel the season altogether. You see what I'm saying? They could just say, okay, COVID's ramping up because it's ramping up again. We talked about this before the show. It's ramping up again. They could have just said, okay, you know, eh, we don't think we should have a season or they could have not finished the season, but they made it through and they finished the season and they're like, okay, we're going to give you another season. Now it did come pretty quick. Like I didn't expect the season to start this quick. I thought it was going to be 2021, but they decided to give you guys the opportunity to start the 2020 season, 2020, 2021 season in 2020. And that that's a blessing in itself. Injuries are going to come. I know the NFL had a lot of injuries the first couple of weeks because of no training camp and things like that. The training camp for the NBA is not going to be that long. I expect to see injuries. That's just how the game goes. 72 games. I like the shortened season, especially for those teams who are in the bubble. I appreciate that. But it's sports. It's going to come. But I don't know if we'll see those injuries like we saw in the NFL. In the NFL, it just happened. I mean, every day it was a major injury, like knee, uh, Achilles, ankle. I'm not quite sure if it would be that bad, but I wouldn't be shocked if it was because of the lack of training camp, the lack, you know, the time off that most of these teams have had. A lot of teams haven't played since March. <laughs> That's a long time off for your bodies to rest. Um, so that could be a factor. Staying in shape could be a factor. But these guys pick up a ball. They go to the gym five, six hours a day. I'm not really worried about that. It's going to be rusty at first. It's going to be rusty. I don't think we're going to get good basketball until probably 2021 because of the rust. So I'm eager to see how these teams do, you know, the time management in the, you know, thing that they do, they call it now in the NBA. Load um, management. Yeah, the load management. There you go. Thank you. I'm eager to see how that goes. And if LeBron decides he does not want to play for the first, what, couple of weeks, I wouldn't be mad at him for that. His fans might be mad at him for that, but I wouldn't necessarily be upset because he's in year, what, he's going into year 18 now? 17 or 18? 18? 18. Yeah, and he just played – to game six NBA finals. Yeah. And yeah, he filmed a movie like, yeah, if he decided like, you know what? I'm just going to chill. Like I wouldn't be mad at that at all. She plays on Christmas and then takes a little bit of time off. That's what I'm thinking. He he probably would. Yeah. yeah I think that's probably the most realistic thing um, because of the rating stuff. I, I think he probably has very much keen awareness that at the very minimum he needs to, at least show during the, you know, Christmas, even if it's only for one to two, you know, not even uh, his full workload. And then he'll take some time off. um, And him and Anthony Davis will probably take some time off. With those new pieces, they can afford to take some time off. I mean, Dennis Schroeder can give you 20 a night. Yeah. He was given 20 a night for the Thunder. Like, you know what I mean? 
Montrez can hold his weight. So I, I think if he didn't have the pieces, he wouldn't because it's only 72 games. So the season is condensed, but you have those pieces now, you know what I mean? So it's kind of mm-hmm. like, okay, well, you know, eh, I don't matter. He, he said this before. It doesn't matter what seed I am in the playoffs. I'm getting to the finals. I mean, he said that before. So. Yeah, I don't think it matters so much about that. It's just, I think there's just too many factors that are new and just not even known about for us to speculate if there's going to be a ton of injuries or very little injuries. The season is, I mean, I guess it's, it's not even, you know, similar to the seeding games and stuff because of the bubble. Like this is a completely new circumstance, even separate from the, you know, COVID fill or, or the COVID, you know, caused bubble situation. Like we, we just won't know until, you know, games start to get played. Hmm. Amber, you said that you were thinking that the, when we come back, when they come back, you were expecting not very good basketball. And that's honestly what I thought was going to happen in the bubble. But for the most part, like, except for a few, like, summer league type, like, giant blocks, you know, <laughs> I yeah. thought that the, pretty much from the get go, the, uh, the play in the bubble was really good. The- but you gotta think about it. Rookies don't have much of a training camp, right? They don't have summer league either. There are 30 teams now. We got a small sample size in the bubble. Yeah. So there are a lot of changing parts. Yeah, Russ Westbrook place. just had his first practice with Washington the other day. Now, mind you, he's with Scott Brooks now, so the system is probably going to be the same. But you got a lot of pieces that were moving. So that's why I said it's going to be a little rusty. Now, I don't expect it to be crazy, but the rookies coming in are, you know, they get their feet wet, feet wet in summer league, you know, and then they have a longer training camp. So I think those younger teams are going to have that issue. The veteran teams, I think, are going to be fine. Yeah, and I think with the seeding games, too, is that there were only eight of them. Like, mm-hmm. if teams are like, oh, there's 72 games, we can sort of, or at least the more veteran teams are like, oh, we can sort of blow off a few of these early and then sort of come back later on, even though there is a, you know, it's only 10 less games than before. I, I, I feel like that's just going to be, what happens? Because at this point, I mean, it's a player's league. They sort of do what they want. Um, I do think that to a certain extent, especially early on, I, I think for ratings purposes and otherwise, um, and maybe that's just the cynic in me, but it will be a little bit better. But watch until watch when it's like January, early January through like maybe February. Like it's there's not going to be like this high quality amount of games for a while until folks realize, Oh, we're running out of games to play. Let's mm-hmm. try to get things um, moving. Janelle with Wiseman coming in and do you, you know, what do you think about what was just brought up about the acclimation of rookies? I think it's a very valid point because, you know, they don't have long to, Adjust and summer league was a big part of the adjustment. And, and since it's COVID, that's out the window. It just depends on what they're doing individually at this point because there's n- not much of a training camp either. But with Wiseman, they are expected, Golden State is expected to bring them in as slowly as they can. Okay. So he's not, and I, I'm, I'm not really confident about that because, you know, 
the starting center would probably be Marquise Chris, and he's just undersized. So it's going to be very interesting to see. That's just something we have to, to wait and see. But as far as, you know, the other rookies go, I think that they would ha- have um, a lot of more leeway because there's not much required from them yet. You know, especially, you know, if they go to teams, you know, that, that's our contenders that, and really have a lot of depth. That's what you got to consider. Now, with Wiseman, maybe we can get away with it, but a team like the Hornets, and since they drafted Lamelo or even Minnesota with Edwards, they will they will probably have to be thrown, you know, thrown in the fire almost immediately. So it'll be pretty pretty interesting to watch. And I've also read something on Twitter about an article said asking should athletes get the vaccine early. It was by Ben Cohen from the Wall Street Journal. What do you think of, about that? Me personally, you know, I don't think so because of the way the optics look all the way around. You know, that you're taking resources from healthcare workers and, you know, the elderly and all the other vulnerable people during this time. And that's who needs the vaccine the most, not these athletes. And also, since the NBA is a majority of black league, it kind of reminds me of shades of the Tuskegee experiment. Just bad optics all the way around. I really don't want to go into that conversation with Tuskegee. I think you're right that it, I think the optics are bad in general when it comes to having, you know, players um, in sports leagues get a vaccine before those who need it. Um, I, I think when we want to have the discussion about, you know, how black folks and brown folks in medicine have been treated very much, um, you know, quite frankly, like test experiments, um, that is something that has to be, you know, sort of factor in. But I, I don't think that, you know, players are folks saying that they would like to have players um, get the vaccine first is because of that. I think it's more because people are wanting for, you know, their entertainment value to, or they want the folks who are entertaining to them to be able to continue to have some sort of entertainment value, which is just a sadness for our society in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. That That, that is pretty messed up, but, I was just thinking of the optics of it, you know, the, yeah. the perception of it. That that's that's what immediately went into my I mind. I definitely agree. The perception is awful. I I don't think that players should be ahead of anyone who needs it. Um, that's why I've been saying for a while um, that it's going to be hard to say that. Hey, players are. Hey, everyone's going to be able to get a vaccine by summer of 2021. I think that is very much a unrealistic goal. 
Um, and that we're even playing sports is, you know, just something, you know, where the entire country or at least a whole lot of folks within the country are still anti-science and denialist about what's actually happening here. It's, you know, quite frankly, scary and very unfortunate that on one hand, they want folks to, you know, take a vaccine and then in the other hand, they don't want to do what they need to do to reduce the amount of people who are getting sick in the first place, which is why we're having all of these, you know, counteractions until a vaccine can be in place that is safe and effective. So um, I, I guess I, I de- I've definitely read and agree with you that like a lot of folks are going to be pessimistic about it because of the very unfortunate and awful way that the scientific community has treated black and brown folks. But I, I, to an extent, I don't think it's because of that. It's just more that folks want their entertainment in this instance, that is, and they're right. wanting to get folks. A, you know, I, you know, I didn't mean to insinuate that it was, but you know, like I said, just, just the, the shades of it, but it's, it's for a selfish reason. You know, like you said, you know, forget the entertainment. I mean, you know, there, there's so many lives that's been lost and, and not even lost, but altered as well. You know, if you survived it, those people need it more than the athletes do. You know, we would deal without sports, you know, because there's just so much more in the world that's going on other than that. I mean, you know, you, you take away about about a couple of hours to get your mind off of it, but it'll still be there regardless. You know, and for them to insinuate to have the athletes to, to take it first, I, I think it's rather selfish, too. I agree with you. I wonder... If this is a situation of the have and the have nots, right? Oh, yeah, well, that, that's, that is a great point right there. Because when you think about it, when this started, when it's all this started, I had a, I had a, I had a theory. I had a, you know, being kind of comes in my head every now and then. When you have resources, they benefit you. When you don't have resources, they don't benefit you. When a pandemic happened, People, most Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, right? Right. It happens and boom, people lose their jobs. People lose their, lose their source of income. How am I going to eat? Um, you know, how am I going to pay my mortgage? Foreclosures were at an all time high. They're going to spike back up, I believe, because of the holidays. People are living above their means. Now, does your health matter more than a pair of shoes? What does your health mean to you? When I say that, it's going to sound confusing, but I'll say that to say this. Living above your means is what Americans do. They just, they just do it. It is showed during the pandemic. That's why I said the have and the have nots. It showed during the pandemic. A lot of people live in paycheck to paycheck. Okay. A lot of people can't afford three or four months without, you know, without any income because they don't have three or four months worth of savings. But those people that could didn't panic. Those people that, okay, hmm, I can go a year without, without a job. That's fine because a, I have other money coming in or B I'm really good with money. Not necessarily frugal, but just smart with your money. 
what I've learned is that people are worse off than we think they are financially. And even those that, you know, doctors and lawyers and things like that probably don't have as much money as you think they do. Um, but doctors are essential workers. So, you know, they're going to work every day regardless. Lawyers are essential workers. They're going to work every day regardless. But what about that businessman on the corner that you support and go buy your coffee from? You know, how is his family going to be able to survive? Because a lot of businesses fail within the first year. So what if he's a new business owner and you go buy a coffee from him every morning because the coffee's good and you want to support that business, but he doesn't have the means to keep that business open. It's just sad to think about those people who have lost, but at the same time, what were you doing with your money before? Now I think this pandemic has showed that, okay, I need to start saving. I need to start being smarter with my money. I do think that this pandemic has showed that given the NBA players, the vaccine first, because we want to be entertained and they make millions of dollars. Doesn't make sense to me. Like this is coming from a woman that her mom is an essential worker. She already told me we're going to have to, we have to take the vaccine or we'll get fired. That's what she told me. Um, I don't believe in vaccines, flu shots and all that. That's deeper. I just don't. That's just a deep, deep conversation <laughs> that we probably could have. I just don't believe in that type of stuff. Now, you did bring up a point about saying that most of the NBA is black and they want to just kind of try this drug out on black players. That goes deep as well. <sighs> How do they handle this? What does... What does your entertainment mean to you? That's the big question. What does your entertainment mean to you? Yeah. Because I don't um, want to be a test dummy. To uh, I don't want to be a test dummy. Is it in their contract? Did the CB did is it in the new CBA that you have to take the vaccine? No. So the, one of the things that they mentioned is that the players will have an option, but if they don't take the vaccine, then they there will be additional protocols that they would have to do in order to remain safe. Um, but I, I don't know if we want to go too much into the politics, but I would say the following. Um, Amber, you have a point to a certain extent that, yes, it's true that, you know, some folks live over their means. But when the, you know, the minimum wage has not significantly changed in more than 30 years, as well as, um, you know, businesses and organizations basically not even trying to, you know, give people the means to be able to be successful in that, um, mm-hmm. um, along with educational issues that we can probably talk about all day, um, to just say that, oh, people are just living over their means isn't necessarily the case. Like, I lost my job, to be quite blunt, over the summer. Like, it was an awful experience. And I, you know, and because I live in California, where it's one of the highest costs of living, I was paying, you know, 2k for my apartment, that is relatively small means, I, you know, I had all these things that I had to pay. Um, and I was getting and it was to a point where it was getting pretty scary. Like, fortunately for me, I work in a um, industry that I was able to get a job relatively quickly, but I am still trying to get out of, you know, issues that were caused financially as a result of being out of work for multiple months. And that's not just me. That is millions of Americans that are happening right now. So 
I guess I agree with you that like, yes, there are some folks who do live over their means, but at the same time, like this country is not supporting folks the way it should. Like there are, you know, Canada, for instance, each month is giving people regardless of their, you know, their, um, you know, they're, you know, how much they're making a certain amount of money so that they can sustain themselves during the pandemic. And that includes business folks. Um, sorry, I, I don't want to get further into it, but I, 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 I find it really frustrating when folks say, Oh, it's just because people are living over their means. No, it's because there's a pandemic and for decades, we have not created an infrastructure that has allowed for folks to be able to live okay, even if they lose their job for a short period of time. And until that about, changes, that okay, that, no, okay. like ahead. if we're gonna, I'll, yeah, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna say. I'm not gonna say everybody's living above their means, but most Americans do. They do. I'm they, talking about from what I see on a daily basis. I'm gonna give you a prime example. I know minimum wage sucks. I know living in different states is different. I know living in California is different from living in Oklahoma. Living in New York is different from living in Florida. I get that. But there are what I see, I'm going to I'm just going to say from what I see. I see my family members living above their means. And it's scary for me because I'm like, okay, I have a rule. Okay, I have a rule. If I cannot buy it 3 times, that I don't need it. That's just my rule. Everybody doesn't have that rule. I understand that, you know, it's minimum wage is horrible. And I'll, I get all that. I'll, I'll just say from what I see. So maybe I should have worded that differently. From what I see around me, people live above their means. And it's scary and it's sad because people buy what they cannot afford. People do. So, yeah. And, and I'm not saying that that's not true. I, I don't think that isn't the case whatsoever, but it shouldn't matter whether or not someone is doing that. If ultimately speaking, we're having millions of people who are losing their jobs and because of the way that we handle or mishandle the way that folks can live, you know, and I'm not even saying like as comfortably as possible, but like we've had generations of folks not being able, getting the education needed to know that, hey, you should save up for rainy days. Like we know that for a fact, like brown, black and brown communities, if we're going to go back to that, have some of the worst educational things in the country. And it has been like that for decades because, you know, separated to are or, um, separate or equal and other things like that. So, I mean, I know this isn't a political show, so we can probably go into economic theory all day. I, I just think that saying that, oh, folks are living over their means, therefore that's what's causing this. No, it's a multitude of issues. Yes, sure. Some folks are living over their means, but trust me, like I don't necessarily live over my means. I buy things. Um, and I was still in danger of potentially losing my apartment and, and in a state where I would have been out of a home and would have been asking my parents to come and help me. So I, I'm sorry. I, I can't go to that extent and say like oh everyone lives over their means therefore that's the reason why this country is you know doing what it is it's a I'm mixture of that it. sure yeah i'm not, not saying everybody it. no it's not no it's not all of it. it's certainly not all of it but that was just my have and have nots like theory because people that 
safe instance were fortunate enough to save and have saved were okay. Like I said before, but people that did not save and may be living above their means, then, you know, I see people on a daily basis. I don't want to get too personal. They rather buy, go out and buy clothes and then say, Oh, I don't have no food in my refrigerator. What kind of sense does that make in the middle of a pandemic? Like, Come on, like you gotta be, you gotta be smarter and make better decisions. I just think personally people just make better decisions. I'll say that and I'll stand by that because I see it. You know what I mean? I see people not making the best decisions even in the middle of a freaking pandemic. Like you yeah. really have to make better decisions. The pandemic should have showed you I should have been making better decisions, but people are not learning from their mistakes. And that was, that's what frustrates me. I understand your point. I get what you're saying, but I'm telling you what frustrates me. Yeah. I mean, and like I'm saying, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you whatsoever, Amber. I I think that that's definitely a pattern to it. And we can, you know, discuss from a basketball perspective, like one of the people who are definitely doing that. But I, I just am not a fan of saying like, hey, ultimately, like you're only seeing what, is happening sort of on the outside veneer. Like you may see someone be buying one thing where they are, you know, having to sort of, you know, they're doing a lot of other things to be quote unquote frugal or whatever you want to call it. Like, so I, I don't like saying like, Hey, everyone else is not doing what's, you know, from a standpoint of like, buying things because we don't know what people are doing inside of their home. Um, unless you do, you know, have a relationship with them, we don't know what the heck they're doing. So I, I, but when it comes to like mask and things like that, where we can actively say that, Hey, you should be wearing that and we can see it in your face and we can see you doing things multiple times. Yes. That is the thing of where people need to be more responsible and not, uh, you know, do things that can rubber, you know, be harmful towards others. Like I, to be honest, I don't care so much if you're harmful to yourself, but when you're harmful to others and you cause issues like that, that's when it starts crossing the bounds for me. Yeah. It's, I'm just, I'm frustrated with this country as a whole. Um, just from, from what I deal with at my job every day and then what I see every day on television and then what my state does every day on a daily basis. It's just frustrating when my mom's a healthcare worker and she's put at risk every single day, like every day. And I live with my mom now. So it's kind of like she's put at risk every single day. She's risking her life every single day for people to continue to still be idiots. And I don't like to say that word or use that word, but it is what it is at this point where I live in Oklahoma, where I live. Um, and it's frustrating to watch and it's frustrating to see. So my frustration with COVID is at an all time high. I try to stay balanced and keep a positive outlook on everything. Like I said before the show started, but what I'm seeing on a daily basis from just people around me makes me sick to my stomach. Just literally. Yeah. I mean, it honestly makes me sick too when it comes to that. Like I, like the money, money issue, like that's a separate thing because we ultimately don't know what's happening each day when it comes to folks. Even if you see someone buy something every once in a while, unless that's like an immediate family member or someone that you are constantly around. That's why I see around me, around me, I'm seeing just not the best decisions. 
Yeah, and around me, I'm not, and I'm not seeing that as much. But at the same yeah. time, I'm a loner. But <laughs> I think ultimately, when it comes to like the mask situation, I mean, we can actually talk about one person that like is infuriating me um, from a basketball perspective. Since we can refer to that, is Good um, James Harden, and like uh, James Harden over the weekend has been partying because of a rapper that he's friends with. Um, little baby, I think that's the name. I, I don't know. I don't follow rap yeah, yeah. too much. Little baby. Yeah. And he has been since Thursday going across to Atlanta and then going as recently as, uh, Saturday night, um, Sunday morning going to Las Vegas to party. Um, you know, I think everyone's aware, although we haven't talked about it specifically on this show because we had, we've had other episodes the last few weeks is that James Harden is currently requesting a trade and this may be partially because of that. Um, or it may just be partially because he's a partier and has been a partier for most of his career. Uh, even though it has seemed relatively better the last, you know, the last few years. Um, my issue isn't so much that he w- wants to be traded at this point. Uh, I mentioned this on Twitter and I'll say it here. And I actually said it before the show that it, it is what it is when it comes to the trade. My issue is how irresponsible and selfish that he's being right now with not wearing a mask. I, I'm tired of it, quite frankly. Like he had, he doesn't need to be a role model per se. Like I never had an issue, never had an issue with him partying. Um, because ultimately he is an adult man who can do whatever he needs to. But now there is a virus that has killed over what 260,000 people in the United States alone. That has, you know, within his NBA, you know, family, if you want to call it, his fellow colleagues, Carl Anthony Towns has lost seven members of his family and close relatives to him because of it, including his mother. We know that Mo Bamba is currently still having, being affected as a result of having COVID and has not been able to go and play again. Um, we know that brown and black folks are significantly, significantly harmed by COVID at a much higher rate compared to white folks, if we're going to be really blunt about it. So for him to go around and not even wear a freaking mask when he's partying is not just like it. Like if this was any other year other than 2020 and this like this pandemic thing, I wouldn't care. But now he's putting at risk First of all, himself, like he had, he as a child and throughout, you know, we know that he had asthma or still has it and that still affects your lungs. You don't grow a new set of lungs. And then we also know that just as a person of color and particularly being a black man, he is at risk of having long-term sustained complications as a result of COVID. So I don't care if he wants to be traded, like stay at home and do what Westbrook did and like sort of, you know, duck out of the situation, but like care for yourself and care for the people around you and wear a freaking mask. If you're going to be partying, like he shouldn't be partying in the NBA, you know, 
once the season starts, I'm assuming, will be strict when it comes to, you know, the penalties and other things that will be associated if folks do party. But even before that happens, wear a freaking mask. Like, it's not like it's the first few months of this pandemic. We're in December. This started, like, in earnest in March as a result of Rudy Gobert. Like, wear a freaking mask. I'm tired of it. I'm done with it. Like, you know, James Harden, I have defended him for years and like this nonsense just needs to end. Like I'm done with it. I'm, I'm done. When you think about back in March when Rudy Gobert tested positive and everything shut down, you know, with one test and now they're opening the league back up and they're you know, saying in their protocols, you know, a test is not going to be, you know, we don't know what it is that's going to be the tipping point, basically, for them to shut back down again. I get really confused and worried and I don't know what I'm supposed to do about it because I don't know how I don't know how to decide whether or not I can support it. You know, like, I feel like the the league is putting profit before people. And I don't, I don't know how to justify for myself, like what, what my metric is for when I can't stand it any longer because I feel very selfish that I'm really, really excited for basketball to start. But I also feel really conflicted because I feel like we're asking, you know, players to A, you know, uh, put themselves in danger in the terms of like, they're going to be on the court within six feet, breathing all each all over each other. Um, they're going to be in situations which we know are, are dangerous. And then also, you know, you've brought it up too. like, you know, these are black and brown men and we're asking, you know, they're entertaining us. And I just, that I don't know where the line is like where it's like, it's too far. I can't support this anymore, but also, desperately wanting to support them because I really believe in them and this, this league in, in general. You bring up good points because I I feel kind of the same way, you know, it's exciting to have a new basketball season back, but you know, you gotta know what's the limit, especially with this pandemic going on, what will be enough? Is it multiple players from a team testing positive is it multiple games being suspended? I don't even think they have a tipping point, really. They just have a lot of protocols and stuff, and uh, everybody gets tested every day, the players and the players' families. I mean, that's, that's all well and good, but you, you'll still have some positive cases. And I don't know if that the NBA knows when there's a limit or when it should be a limit. Because they're greedy. They want their money. The players want their money. The owners want their money. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I understand, like, leaving it open because they just don't know it's uncharted territories. But also, like, the same time, yeah. (laughs) Like, when when are we – when are we going to say enough is enough? I don't know. It's really complicated. Um, yeah. And when we first started talking, um, I don't remember who brought it up, but, uh, or I think it was, um, Terry, it was you, you mentioned that, you know, the owners or, you know, the 
board of governors, aka the folks who have majority stakeholder in the teams, they could, you know, close the league. That's not necessarily the case. I mean, look at, I mean, I hate to bring up Houston again, but look at Tillman Fertitta and his relatively cheap self. There are multiple um, owners besides him that have money and industries that are currently suffering extremely. And I feel like, yes, the players are wanting to play, but these, you know, these stakeholders, governors, owners of these teams, most of them are in just as much of a situation. And like, you could say to them, like, if we're going back to like, Hey, they should save up. Like, People don't necessarily care about that so much. So I think the only thing that's different between the NFL, which I'm actually not watching, and the NBA is that there are significantly less players in the NBA. So the tipping point would be relatively fast if there is going to be a shutdown because if, you know, five players on a team get ill because of COVID, then that's going to shut down a team. Like with the um, NFL – you know, the Broncos, if we want to take an example, had an entire QB unit who had wasn't able to play and they were able to do it anyway because they have 52 plus players that can do it. So the NBA has much less of a, um, you know, leeway when it comes to the amount of players that can be ill before there'll be major issues with the league actually functioning itself. So uh, I guess that's maybe the one thing that uh, isn't, it's not positive or negative is just what it is. Exactly. I, I agree. At the tipping point, would you would assume that it would be thin or rapid, but you know, Greed is something else. And a lot, a lot of these people, these owners are greedy. Players are greedy. I mean, you know, they, they want their money, but it's, it's just really going to be interesting to see how this gets pulled off. It really is. You know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic and I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, I think that should be the slogan for the season: cautiously optimism. Cautious optimism would probably be the term. Yeah, because you know, without that bubble, I don't really know about this. I mean, with the bubble, you had less teams, and it was contained. And you know, obviously, you can't put six bubbles around because that's just too much money and. You know, it's gonna, gonna be interesting. I'm looking forward to like 10 or 20 years from now, the stories, more stories coming out about what the bubble was like. I don't know if you guys heard it, but, uh, Blazers president Neil or, or GM Neil Olshay was on, uh, the Woj pod the other day and he was telling some little anecdotal stories about the bubble. Um, that I was just like, there's a lot of stuff we don't know about what happened. And, you know, he was talking about just like sort of the college or AAU atmosphere and about how um, towards the end of their the Blazers run there, they were like the only team left in the hotel because they were in the Yacht Club, which was like for the unseated teams. And they like super didn't want to go because they loved it there and like they loved the staff there and everybody the staff knew and they were they had the whole place to themselves and then they had to like after game one of um, 
the playoffs. They had to like move to another hotel. Um, but just to end on a maybe little bit lighter note than because we were getting very heavy and it was good because like that's really super important stuff. But just thinking about like what it's going to be like in 10 years from now or 20 years from now, like, A, do we learn anything at all from either the pandemic or this strange NBA season or the bubble or whatever this new season is going to look like? Who knows? I'm going to say no. You don't think we're going to learn anything? I mean, anything in, in this long. Why, why an epiphany now? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think, in, I, I think it's going to have to take leadership from the top. And I'm not even talking about from the NBA perspective. I'm talking about, um, in the United States, that is the person who is in charge, um, as well as folks who are in multiple, you know, governorships across the country to, have a path forward that isn't politicized. Like ultimately this is like people's health. This is people's safety. It shouldn't be a political issue. It's more of a, like, let's have people live as long as feasible issue. And until that sort of changes, then it's going to be a no for me. Absolutely. And what's really sad about is that, you know, you, you can try to appeal to people's own greed, and that don't even work. You know, people people are determined to do whatever they want to do, regardless of who it affects and who it hurts. And and that's that's the damn shame of it all, of all of this. Mm-hmm. Well, should we go ahead? And wrap it up for this episode. Yeah. Do you have any anything else they want to add? All right. Well, everyone who is listening, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can find Step Back Sisterhood on Twitter at Step Back Sisters. You can also find us on Apple, and you can find us on Spotify. My name is Tara, and I am on Twitter at TCBBiggs. I'll turn it over to Janelle. You want to tell people where they can find you? You can find me on Twitter at Janelle12. That is J-A-N-N-E-L-L-E-12. And you can also find me on Instagram, too, under Writer Diva. Where they can find you, Amber? You can find me on Twitter at simplyme underscore AV. That's the only social media platform I have. Yeah. And as for me, uh, Britt, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Britt Robotista. That's B-R-I-T-R-O-B-O-T-I-S-T-A. Right. Thank you for listening and see you next week on another episode of Step Back Sisterhood. I'm Janelle Moore. And I'm joined by Tara Biggs, Amber Vickers, and Brittany Wilbur, and we out.